Welcome to Attachment Theory in Action. Our podcast is dedicated to parents of children struggling with the effects of trauma and attachment disorders and the caseworkers, coordinators, and other professionals who support them. Your host, Karen Doyle Buckwalter, will introduce you to Michael Trout, director of the Infant Parent Institute and author and co-author of numerous publications, including The Jonathan Letters. Karen and Michael will be discussing his chapter in the soon-to-be-released book, Attachment Theory in Action, Building Connections Between Children and Parents, which was edited by Karen and Chaddock's President CEO, Debbie Reed. Attachment Theory in Action will be available for purchase on Amazon beginning in mid-December of 2017. So I'm here with Michael Trout um, in talking about um, my new book edited with Debbie Reed, Attachment Theory in Action. Uh, Michael did do a chapter for the book, which I want to talk with him about now. Um, but first, just tell me a little bit about your background with attachment theory, specifically. Um, I suppose it's true that I am I'm not in the mainstream of attachment theorists. I stumbled into uh, work with babies and very young children sort of sideways at a time when we didn't have much attachment theory. Mm -hmm. uh, we certainly had, had Bowlby and the Pioneers, but we didn't have much that was practical. Mm -hmm. Not much application was going on at that time. So we didn't have paradigms or structures, and we certainly didn't have uh, strategies for uh, improving attachment. Mm -hmm. In fact, we, we tried some things in the early years that were just plain silly. Um, my introduction to attachment theory really came about by sitting in homes, um, sent there usually by a public health nurse or a judge or somebody that was worried about somebody in that house, mm -hmm. uh, either a, a baby that had been known or a baby that had not been known, mm -hmm. a baby that had just been heard about in the community, mm -hmm. or a baby that had been removed, or uh, a baby sometimes that we didn't even know lived there. We, we would be sent out maybe by the intermediate school district, uh, to take a look at a, let's say, a two-year-old. Mm -hmm. And we couldn't figure out why we were there, because there didn't seem to be anything wrong at all with this two-year-old. And only later would we discover that, that there was another child in the house that was hidden during the home visit, mm -hmm. but was actually the reason we were there. Mm -hmm. And mom, it wasn't as if mom was being a sleuth about it. She really wanted us to figure that out. She wanted us to ask. Mm what's behind that door, or mm -hmm. did I just hear a cry, or something. Mm. So I learned about attachment theory that way, mm -hmm. by watching real people struggle in what I think of as the trenches. And my job was not to apply theory, but just to see if I could understand the stories she or he would slowly, slowly, painfully tell. Mm -hmm. By painfully, I mean they were full of pain, but also it was painful to tell them. Mm -hmm. Stories that sometimes started with the child. Uh, he hates me. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know what's the matter with him. Can't you see? He's, he's weird. He's not like any other child. Or I don't know about children. Or mm -hmm. he's, he seems backward, don't you think? Or mm -hmm. he's so heavy, I can't even lift him. Mom will say about a two-pound child that she just brought home from the NICU. So sometimes we'll, we'll be pulled in with stories about the child. Sometimes, however, the mom or dad wouldn't even start with the child. 
would just say, I'm so afraid I will do the following. Mm -hmm. uh, the worst outcome I can imagine is that he would be raised like I, I was. Mm. Um, the father might say, while threatening me, uh, that I should get out of his house, might say, his dad taught him a thing or two about being tough, and so don't, I shouldn't think that he is not tough. Mm. And by the way, that kid right over there, that one over there, he is going to be tough, and I'm going to see to it. So parents had all sorts of ways of alerting us that something about attachment that was very quickly going to turn into issues in development um, was, was going on in that house. Mm -hmm. And that's how I learned. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Good. That's the best way, I think, what you're describing, actually. Um, so when I asked you to do a, a chapter for the book, um, I, knowing your your background in infant parent psychotherapy and working with Selma Freiberg and then with child parent psychotherapy, the derivative of infant parent psychotherapy for older children. I said, well, what about a chapter about some of that? And you said, I don't want to write a, about that. There's lots written about that. Um, and kind of wanted to go in a different direction. Could you talk to me a little bit about that? Like what your vision was for what you wanted to communicate? Sure, I'll have to inhibit myself <laughs> for length, if yes. nothing else, yes. because I, I, I have to admit that I, I think some things have happened to our field in the last 20 or 25 years mm -hmm. um, that have been in what I consider to be a wrong direction, mm -hmm. more and more strategic, more and more uh, chasing funding, uh, which means, of course, becoming more and more evidence-based and more and more repeatable. Uh, maybe even manualized uh, interventions, and I don't like that. I, I think it, I think it, it insults families. I think it even insults uh, the sort of home visitors that uh, know how to to go into homes and figure out what's going on by essentially saying to them, "We don't trust you to to watch and wonder and be scientific and be curious and follow what's happening in the house. Mm -hmm. We need to show you this." this manual or this sequence or the strategy for how to do it. Mm -hmm. So I thought you were asking me to write about the latest strategies in child parent psychotherapy. Mm -hmm. And I find those, they're fine. I mean, mm -hmm. For other people, they might be fine. They wouldn't, aren't fine for me. I mean, I didn't want to write about them. Right. If you would let me write about how infant parent psychotherapy informed child parent psychotherapy, uh, if you would let me write about... Um, what it's like to watch unfold in a particular house the story of that family, the, mm -hmm. the narrative of the parents or the narrative of the child or the narrative of the whole family, how that opens and unfolds and then makes itself available for mm -hmm. change, mm -hmm. often led by the family, not by me, mm -hmm. and certainly not by any manualized intervention I was pulling off, mm -hmm. then I would jump at the chance. Mm -hmm. And of course, like a fool, you... you you said okay. Yes. Well, you know, I think in a way that's what I had in mind to begin with, but I didn't quite know what to call that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. So, um, okay. So, one of uh, your quotes that is one of my favorites is your quote that says, when you think you're the expert, you're sunk. Mm -hmm. And so, 
I thought, I think you've alluded to that kind of thinking as you've been talking, but I wanted to hear a little bit more about your thoughts on that statement, because I've heard it from you more than once. Sure. <clears throat> well, th there's an arrogance to which we're subject. I mean, we want to be right, and we want to be smart, and we want to be helpful. In fact, we kind of like to be king, <laughs> if we could, of infant mental health, and because it feels really good, and the things that we... Uh, experience more often don't feel really good. What we really experience more often is terror at what we see, um, awful terror at the impotence we experience when we see it, when we don't know what to do. Um, and so, believe it or not, when we feel that afraid, we actually reach more for structure and objectivity. And the more we reach for that, the more we find answers there. I mean, there's no question but, but that you could, you could structure the Dickens out of infant mental health. You could send every baby and every preschool child to a service of some kind or another, and some, something would result. And if it didn't, we could say, well, the parents were resistant, or they didn't show up right, or something like that. Um, and, but we would be relieved of this awful burden of worry and feeling powerless to make change. Um, when you when you structure that way, pretty soon you start feeling like you're pretty smart. And as soon as you start feeling smart, you look for reasons to believe that you are. And you get more and more arrogant about that. Um, you believe that people that don't understand how smart you are just aren't really very smart people themselves. Maybe not even worthy people themselves. And then suddenly you get less interested in them. And you get more interested in your intervention than you do in the people for whom it's organized. So I think it's a, a great danger, and but contrary-wise, I think it's a gigantic picnic, scientific picnic, to walk into a house stupid. I mean, I, I still hear scientists in laboratories speak of the joy they have of walking in in the morning not knowing what they're going to discover. Mm -hmm. Those are my kind of scientists. Mm -hmm. Those are the people I want looking for a cure for cancer for me mm -hmm. or my mother or something. Because mm -hmm. they, they believe they don't know and there's joy in not knowing. Mm -hmm. They have what I think I may have referred to in the chapter as intelligent ignorance. Mm -hmm. And they, they wrap themselves around that ignorance, mm -hmm. which makes them unusually open to discovery and not too much closed-minded, not too eager for answers quickly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. So, three concepts also that you've talked about um, are wondering, following, and holding, and those are mentioned in the chapter, and I, I think what you were talking about just a minute ago relates to wondering and, and staying open, um, but just those three uh, terms, I know you've been using those words and writing about them quite a bit in recent years. Could you just give an overview of each one of them and what sure. they're meant to capture? Sure, but, but can I, with minimal embarrassment to you or to me, say, I just made them up. But they're not, they're not uh, special words. Uh -huh. They're just descriptive words. Right. They're what I would want, have wanted mm -hmm. my students to know how to do. Mm-hmm. I've wanted them to know how, and myself, I've wanted myself to know how to walk into a place armed with almost nothing except intense curiosity 
this thing I call wondering, which means that everything that happens, every move that's made, every, every shape of the furniture, uh, every sound that you hear, how the yard feels when you walk up to the front door. I remember in the early years, the, uh, the hood of the car would sometimes be up and sometimes down. And I learned that that was the signal to whether the mom had been successful that week in escaping or not. She was trapped way out in the woods. Her husband was harming her, and she had twin boys. And I learned that that was some kind of a signal about whether she had gotten away that week. Because she, if she had gotten away, then he got really mad. Mm -hmm. And he'd open the hood of the car and take the coil wires off the car and leave the hood up. Mm. So some little tiny things like that are all to be wondered about. They're not, we don't have to know the answers to all of them, but we have to wonder about everything that happens. When the mom wipes the child's face, what's the look on her face? Mm -hmm. What's the sound in her voice? What is that hole in the wall over there? Where did that come from? Is there somebody on the other side of that? Uh, oh, is there somebody actually listening to our sessions and I didn't, I didn't know about that for the longest time. Mm -hmm. That's what happens when you wonder. Mm -hmm. If you can mix that with following, then that means that everything that happens in the moment, the dynamic of the session, becomes subject to wonder too. So not just mom's answers to your questions, but mom's non-answers to your questions. Mm -hmm. Her questions and response the things that she says on the phone call that interrupts the session, you thought and you were kind of aggravated that the phone rang, except you, if you follow and you wonder, then you realize that the fact that the phone rang at that very moment, and my golly, it's rung every week, hasn't it, recently, somewhere during the session, and then what she says on the phone, all is to be wondered about. Mm -hmm. I spent the longest time with one family being irritated that I couldn't get them to turn the television off while I was there. I thought that was pretty disrespectful. I'm a, kind of a hot shot. I'm here at your house. Shouldn't you have everything ready for me? There's the arrogance. <laughs> Until I discovered that the two characters on the show, because I came at the same time every week, the two characters on the show that was always on, she had named her children after. And I learned things about her intention for those children from seeing who she had been, who she had based them on, hmm. these characters on the television. So following means nothing more than being completely present, to be led by the mom or the dad or the children or the dynamic of all of them in the room uh, so that we can learn more. Yeah. So we did wondering, following, following. and then holding. Holding is that magical one. I think we get to do it all the time, but it doesn't usually feel like it. Um, when we just show up, for some families, even families who don't want us to show up or say they don't, mm -hmm. the act of just showing up sometimes is a holding that, believe it or not, they've not actually experienced. I'm not saying they like it. I'm not saying they feel all cozy for uh, because of are showing up. I'm saying they may never have been in a situation where either A, people did what they said, or B, people did what they said on time, or C, people uh, directed their energies toward them. 
So mm-hmm. I don't think they sit around thinking about the fact that he comes at 9 o'clock on Tuesdays to see me, and that feels really wonderful. Mm-hmm. But there's something in it that's unconscious, and I think constitutes holding, mm. which is why such things as showing up on time is so hugely important. It's not about time. It's right. about holding. Right. We sometimes get a chance to hold in how we sit, in what we do with our eyes, mm-hmm. in what we do with our bodies, and um, what we do with the information imparted. Um, I mean, there's all the legal reasons that we are careful about confidentiality, but families are not really as concerned about the legalities of that as they are about the idea that what I say to you, you hold precious, mm-hmm. which means you remember it, and you show me that by bringing it up to me a few weeks. You may say in a real innocent way, boy, I just can't get that blank off my mind that mm-hmm. you were telling me about. Or mom will make a reference to, to her her brother. Mm-hmm. And he'll say, now is that the one that had um, diphtheria when he was younger? Um, those are all ways to hold by showing that we treasure information. Mm-hmm. And of course we, we show that we treasure the information in being confidential as well. Mm-hmm. So um, another quote of yours that is one of my favorites um, is that you don't teach techniques. You teach a way of being with people. And again, you've alluded to that through what you're saying, but specifically that way of expressing it. What comes to your mind about that? I should tell you that I haven't always felt that way. Okay. I was just writing a, a, an address for, for conference that I'm teaching. And I was admitting to the folks there, because I'm talking about mindfulness in this uh-huh. series, I'm admitting to the folks there that the group of us in that original Freiburg class had a major league panic about after maybe the first year, wherein we were absolutely certain that Freiburg and the other faculty were withholding from us the techniques that would make all this infant health thing work. We were out in the hinterlands doing doing this work and coming Mm -hmm. back in for classes and supervision Mm -hmm. and we were scared to death and we were blaming them because they hadn't taught us enough or the right techniques. Um, There's a wonderful long story about what they did about that but I'll save that for another time. But I slowly, slowly, slowly came to know that techniques while they're very comforting and they, they give a structure when we're scared and feeling alone out there in somebody's trailer out in the middle of nowhere, uh, or in a, a, a apartment on the wrong side of town with people glowering at us in the hallway. Technique can feel good in those circumstances, but it doesn't save our bacon. When we're in it, and, and if we're not going to be in it, we ought not be there at all. So if we're really in it, we're going to suffer moments when technique will not get the job done, when all that we have is just what we got. We don't bring toys, we don't bring things, we hardly even bring paper, and we certainly don't bring computers. We just bring our presence. And in, when you're sitting in that situation, you must be able to use what you've got, and what you've got is just what you brought, the capacity to look wonder and see and be curious about and hold on to and treasure and follow. 
technique will not get the job done. Well, um, my hope is the book um, and your chapter that we're talking about will inform young clinicians um, who want to work from an attachment-based perspective, who are working with children with um, attachment difficulties and trauma in their background. Um, and so I'm wondering what you would have to say just general advice to clinicians out there today based on your experience how do you think the field's evolved and how do you think in some ways it's devolved if that's a word going backwards <clears throat> well I won't spend too much time on the latter because I would quickly climb on a soapbox and that would not serve as well I think let's just say that I I think this is the most passion-filled field I could even imagine. I didn't spend the last 45 years in it because I was bored or couldn't find another job. I couldn't look away. First home visit I made, I walked away just astounded. And it's not that anything wonderful had happened. It's more that I just, I wanted to be part of this world where people, where people tell these stories and resist help while asking for help at the same time. There was something compelling about that. And so I'd invite clinicians in who can, who can feel that level of passion about the simple job of being with other people in their, in their moments of great pain, which for many of the families with whom we work is all the time. It's not just moments when they break down. Their life is but it's also triumph. These are people that have survived. Um, the guy who's telling me that he's going to uh, take care to make that kid tough, that may sound to many like a warning and may sound scary. And it is. But he's also saying to me, look, Bub, if you had any idea what kind of a place I came from, you'd know why toughness is essential. And I'm telling you that my love for my my love for my little boy is being expressed in my urgency to make him tough. And if you've got the balls to stick with me, he's saying, in effect, in code to me, mm -hmm. to stick with me mm -hmm. and shape that a little bit with me, not fight me on it. Don't you tell me to be all sweet and cuddly with my boy. Don't you tell me that. But if you've got the balls to stick with me and let me tell you all about my hopes and dreams for him and my fears for him and what my dad did to me, then maybe we'll make a deal. And maybe maybe that little boy will come out okay. Yeah, anybody that's got a passion for, any young person that's got a passion for that kind of work, mm -hmm. oh man, I'd invite them in. Good. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk about your chapter. And the book is Attachment Theory in Action, and it will be available um, this fall on Amazon. So I appreciate the time and look forward to having others read the chapter. You're welcome. Jane. All right. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Attachment Theory in Action. We hope you'll join us again as we continue to explore attachment theory. Please follow our site, 
traumaattachmentcenter.com for future podcasts, blogs, and training opportunities.